Hello, welcome back to the Book of Medora's final episode on Zelda 20, colon, Tears of the Kingdom. I'm Crystal, with me as always is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. We have all the sages. We, we do. do. We, we, we do. have the Master Sword. We have the secret location of the Demon King. Yes. The secret location that nobody could have ever figured out. He was under the castle the whole time. That wily piece of shit. Nobody could have cracked that code. I you know, I actually find that really weird now that I think about it, because I was like talking to other people who didn't quite figure that he was under the castle, and I was like, oh, y'all are being silly. But then when I reflect on it, it's like, no, Nintendo designed this as if there was some sort of question about where Ganondorf would be, so maybe something's weird about my reasoning. It was not immediately obvious to me that he was under the castle, but then I did figure it out halfway through, like, yeah, he must be under there. Where else would he be? Where else would he be? <laughs> we are be- we've been all around the map at this point. We've, we didn't cover it in the episode, but we filled out the entire underground thingy. Yes, we filled out all of the light routes, and we got all of the shrines, and we got uh, all of the Korok seeds, and we covered 100% of the map. I don't know that I did all that shit. I didn't do this until after, so. Don't make me play the congratulations scene again, goddammit. We mostly, I think, the shrines, right? You did all the shrines? I did do all the shrines, and I got the heroes aspect. Crystal, how far were you along? In what sense? In terms of uh, shrines or exploring the map. Um, I had at least checked out every area. I'd gotten all the, uh, the light routes. I think I got, like... Maybe three quarters of the shrines. Oh, yeah, that's, that's quite far along. Mapping out the whole depths does take a while. It does, but you can at least get an idea just looking at the map of where the next one is. So it's they're easier to find than shrines are. Hmm. You can see them from a distance. That you, is really cool. You sure can. Um, there is dialogue for this part of the game in that if you go to Pura after you defeat Koga, she says, oh, that's where the Demon King is. And uh, let me know when you're heading out or whatever. I'll let all the sages know right away when you head to face the Demon King. You're not alone in this. She just has walkie-talkies to talk to all the sages? Because, I mean, after they show up to help you in the castle. I don't know. Maybe she the warps. Warps? Can anything else warp? I mean, yeah, the the system is made to be able to warp around. I'm sure she has a personal warping device. She made the Pura pad. Okay. Uh, and she asks you to hit the Demon King right in the face for her. So saucy. I think that the the line, you're not alone in this, and we're doing this together, is just symbolic of Tears of the Kingdom and contrasts it with Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. Yes, because you were alone in that. Yeah. I mean, you weren't in spirit, but you were literally. People were there, but they were uh, at a distance. They were ghosts who literally lent you their powers. You're not alone in spirit. Who fired a laser like 20 kilometers. I wish that we could shoot lasers at Demon King Ganondorf. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Crystal, how did you handle the approach to Ganondorf's whole thing? Where did you jump in? uh, I just jumped in from the front. Okay. Yeah. I was, I, this was much longer than I expected. So I came in extremely unprepared. Oh no. I had no food. I had like 10 arrows. (laughs) Oh no. Oh, that's right. And you so mentioned this was a survival gauntlet for me. And you mentioned you didn't really have any um, healing for gloom. Nope, no gloom healing. 
That must have been a really, really, really intense battle down. Yeah, it was fun. That's good. That's the way to do it. Intensity makes it feel like it should. So the it's the Hyrule Castle Chasm, and the first area is the Gloom's Approach. Yes. And pretty much right when you head down there, the, the architecture is Zonai. Yeah, as one might expect. But it it's ex- explicitly Zonai in a way that most of the depths isn't. Most of the depths feels very rough and unrefined. Mm-hmm. But here you're going much deeper than most of the depths, and it is just Zonai buildings all the way down. Whatever this place was, it was built as Zonai before the war with the Demon King. Yeah, I would say that. So what was down here? I think people lived down there. There was definitely a bunch of rooms that just seemed like, I don't know, rooms? <laughs> Antechambers? And it looks like there's places uh, full of... Zo- As you go further down, there's chambers full of Zonai devices that look like they're made specifically to build flying machines. Yes. Crystal, I guess... You were supplied as you were going around, right? You had to gather resources and so on? Yes, that's right. What was your impression of the area as you descended? Um, To me, this kind of seemed like a levy against the gloom. It's called gloom's approach because I assume this is the direction that the gloom was seeping out from. And it kind of seemed like they just wanted to have a lot of space between the uh, the chamber where the Demon King is and the surface. So you're thinking that this part of it, the lead up to where you find, uh, to where Ganondorf was originally imprisoned, may have been built after Ganondorf was sealed by Raru. Yes. That makes sense to me. And specifically, I guess, do you imagine that the people thought that the gloom would start seeping out? Or do you think the gloom seeped out at some point and had to be pushed back in? That's a very good question. Now, we we don't consider these canonical because it's not text within the game, but there are extra textual sources. Um, I forget where exactly. It may have been mentioned on Hyrule interviews or a less important translation source that the seal on Ganondorf only started to crumble when the calamity was unleashed 100 years ago, and that up to that point, the seal had been perfect and that's when Raru's body started to degrade. I kind of like the idea, but that also seems very strange to me. Why is that? Um, that's a lot of time for it to be perfectly maintained, only for it to be the clock yeah. to start at that point. There's never been another seal nearly that strong. I guess the idea is that the seal itself is the castle, and the calamity being unleashed damaged the castle. Mm. Or... I guess if each of the princess or queen Zeldas was maintaining or or healing that seal, the chain was lost at Zelda, Breath of the Wild Zelda. That does make a certain amount of sense, though I would have also assumed that we assumed the same thing about the Calamity too, right? That it was the queens of Hyrule who were keeping the Calamity sealed. Yes. Yes. I would just like to say, regardless of which one you think is the bigger threat... Sealing the Calamity inside of part of the seal on the Demon King seems like a genuinely bad idea. Uh Uh-huh. Where else should they have sealed the Calamity? It's a great question, apparently. Maybe inside of a mountain. Inside Death Mountain? No. No, probably (laughs) not not Death Mountain. Mountain. (laughs) It's bad news. That MF likes to explode. See, I think this is sort of a political situation. 
because none of the other countries are going to want to hold the calamity. And there's not really a better space for Hyrule proper to hold the calamity. And the person who would have to assess or maintain any seal, all of the seals, really, if there was an issue, is, uh, is Zelda. Yes. So she needs to be on site. <laughs> I... It's also possible that by the time the Calamity came about, people had forgotten about the Demon King. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Or at least maybe they conflated the two. It's like, oh, the Calamity is surely the Demon King or something like that. Right. That would explain Urbosa's line about it is said that the Calamity once took the form of a Gerudo. Though if we take that more literally, which is dangerous because characters are wrong in Legend of Zelda all the time. But if we did take it more literally, that sort of implies that the Calamity predates Ganondorf, or at least predates a Ganondorf. But at the same time, once the Demon King is revealed in this game, Riju sort of implies that they've known about the Demon King, at least through oral histories, the entire time. Yeah, and the Demon King is known by Pura and her uh, mentee, little kid. Jasha. Jasha. And a whole bunch of other people. Yeah. But they get conflated. They do get conflated. Crystal, what do you think of that idea that if they have a good idea of when Ganondorf existed, or at least that he existed, that now the legend of the Calamity is so huge that it sort of encapsulates Ganondorf's legend? That would make sense to me. Yeah. That that seems like a reasonable conflation that people would make. So they could make that conflation. It does not necessarily mean that the Calamity predates uh, the Demon King. No, I don't think it necessarily means that. So midway through the Gloom's approach, uh, the power of a sage cannot reach you, and the various shadow sages that you may or may not have out uh, cannot be summoned anymore. I gotta admit, that spooked me a little bit. Crystal, did you have your sages out? I did have all five sages out. I needed them. (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) And then suddenly they're fucking gone! That's right. And and how did you do this section? (laughs) Very carefully. Oh. It's use, funny. But I use the stealth function. I don't I didn't use that one too often. That's really I had cool. To use it here. I think there were certain parts where I was like, I'll just fly past everything. And I didn't do it everywhere because I wanted to enjoy the experience, but also I was like, This is this is long. It is quite the gauntlet. Gandorf has really tried to uh, discourage your approach. This place is designed like the geography, the topography of this approach is full of ups and downs and walls blocking off your line of sight into the next area and chasms. And they're all covered with enemies that take specific advantage of that terrain. It's very well designed in that sense. There's like staircases and little side rooms with like weapons and it was just i don't know it's a it's a slog down do you think link and zelda walked through all of this or they took a different route them being here must imply that there was another more official route because it's not like there was a a hole around the castle before yeah they they must have gone down through the bottom of the castle at some point i think that the terrain here is much worse than previously because of the upheaval Mm mm-hmm but I also think that it's very likely that the two of them had to travel down through this part. Because about halfway down, you find the chamber where Ganondorf was sealed. That's uh, first the forgotten foundation where the murals are. Oh, I'm sorry. 
yes, the Forgotten Foundation, where you can find the murals that Zelda was looking at. And we didn't have bombs to blow them up, but now we do. And then very shortly thereafter, the Imprisoning Chamber, which is now a chasm of itself. Hey, I got a question. Did y'all already talk about the murals in the episode before the game started? I think y'all probably did, but I thought I'd ask. Let's talk about it. Okay, Crystal, do you remember the murals on the wall, the ones Zelda wanted to examine? Yes. Okay, Monica, tell us about them. Or uh, you two talk about them for a minute. Uh, it, it, there's a Zonai <laughs> floating on the air. Not clear if it's Raru, says Monica. Yes, with I, the spiritual cl- stones in the background. It's clearly fucking Raru. Uh, the Hylians and other peoples worship the approach of the alien. I can't remember a lot of the other... Okay, so then there's Raru and Sonya. Uh, everybody's partying. And then the Demon King mural, in which a lot of people are dying. Is that it, Crystal? Am I missing any of them before the um, last one? And then behind the rocks, there's also the dragon mural. Yes. I think it shows Zelda with the Master Sword and then the dragon. Yeah, Zelda's underneath with the Master Sword. And oh, a it's tear. a shame that she didn't see that one before everything went down. I don't know that it would have changed anything, but... I think it's a blessing that she didn't know. I think. One of the things <laughs> that a lot of... Um, weird religious beliefs seem to be is that we we don't necessarily have free will, but it's a blessing that we have the illusion of it. I guess it's not a religious thing. It's also just a science. Some it's time travel seem to believe that. And I think it's it's good for her that she went through the journey authentically without knowing what to expect and then made her own conclusion, which means it was more of a choice and a sacrifice rather than a, I had to do this because I saw my painting. Do you agree with that, Crystal? Yes, she was always going to do this. She was predetermined. But because she didn't know that she was predetermined, that means she did have to consciously make the choice. Mm -hmm. Rather, it's a choice she would definitely make, but she has to be able to make it freely for it to mean anything. It is predetermined that she freely chose, (laughs) is I believe how it works. That is the framing that you have used before. And other time travel Legend of Zelda episodes. This yes. is such a Hylia hack, I feel like. That is one of Hylia's favorite bits, yes. Because, you know, if we take a materialist look at it, freely choosing just means the atoms in your brain are arranged in a certain way. So it was predetermined that the atoms in your brain would be arranged in a certain way that you perceive yourself to be freely choosing. Uh-huh. Do you trust the atoms in your brain to tell you that they are atoms? Yeah, of course I do. Why? Because it's it's a it's a reliable theory to explain physical phenomena. And when it stops being reliable, then we'll have to revise it. I don't know. The brain's still mostly a black box to us, isn't it? Yeah, but we we know it's made of atoms. That's true. But I I guess I should say that the fact that we know that it is made up of certain chemical processes, or at least it manifests certain chemical processes, I don't think we can necessarily say that their cause and effect of the brain is that easy to understand. When you asked this question, my brain went into a different direction, which was, can you believe your lying brain because you're depressed? I can't. I can never believe my brain because I'm depressed. I'm not saying that what the brain says is true. I'm just (laughs) saying that the brain is made of atoms. That's that's undisputable. Yes, according to our current understanding of physics, the brain is definitely composed of atoms. (laughs) Could there be a different understanding? No, what what I meant to say 
when I asked if you could trust the brain's atoms to tell you that they're atoms was that if we take a strictly materialist view of the brain, does that mean that we can trust our senses to tell us everything about the universe? No. Nope. So we can't be completely sure at any point whether or not we have free will. It's always a question. That is the question. That was what I was speaking of earlier, in which a lot of scientists, apparently, do say there isn't such a thing as free will. But it's a good thing that we have the illusion of it. I don't completely agree with the article. I'll try to dig it up, but that was an interesting way to put it. Also, yeah, it makes things society not be able to function properly if you think that way in the context of the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom i think we can say that free will is a real thing it's thematically important yes though yes as crystal says it is sure what she will choose every time but it is also important that she choose it Uh is is free will less valuable if your free decisions are predetermined i don't think so okay yeah i don't think so i I don't agree with the scientists because they're effective. What they effectively said was everything, as long as you could map it, is down to um, chemistry of your brain, you know, what experiences you had along the way, but also the immediate circumstances, I don't know, the ambient weather and temperature and so on. But I think in that small range of behaviors you could have, you still have a decision. I guess my thing is that Talking about the universe being predetermined is very difficult when there are wave functions that only resolve themselves when observed. Well, yeah, but that's like saying that you can't measure how much oil you have in your cup unless you measure it. Well, what I mean is that that the wave function isn't resolved until observed. Yeah. The The act of observation changes it. It changes it. Does it not resolve in a different or unknown way? Look... I don't know physics. I don't know physics. Now, now I am no expert in quantum physics. (laughs) But I know that one interpretation is that it's more that it's like it's impossible. There are a lot of things that it could be, but you can't know unless you observe it. And then once you observe it, it's it's, it's only the one thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Physics is zany. We live in a much less concrete reality than we tend to think. Yes. And I th- it's it's funny because I think that predetermination also shifts in the Zelda series between different games. I think that the events of Tears of the Kingdom are much more predestined than something like, this is going to sound really weird when I say it, but something like Skyward Sword. Hmm. I don't know if Skyward Sword is the best example of something unexpected. No, this is what, exactly what I'm talking about, though, because Skyward Sword has so much unpredictable bullshit happen in it and creates split timelines and destroys timelines if you have two destinies taking place can you say that they're predestined yes does does predestiny like doesn't that imply that it's one set of events that happens no i feel like you might not be engaged (laughs) okay if you are a time goddess who can see across and through timelines then you can say i want option that causes a and b yeah, you can predestine a range of outcomes. So you're saying that she can stack the odds. Uh-huh. I think Yeah, that- because, you know, there there's all the the uncertainty in the quantum phenomena, but you know, on our level of perception, 
physics is a little bit more is still very reliable. Yes. I think that one of the big ideas behind the many worlds theory is that since there are so many possibilities, we exist in a given set of possibilities, but that doesn't mean it's the only thing that it can be. Yes, I agree. It's a little bit of a pushback against the idea of a single predestiny, a preservation of the idea of choice mattering. Sliders was a good TV show. I, I've only seen like one or two episodes. Crystal, have you ever seen Sliders? I've never seen Sliders. What is Sliders all about? Uh, Sliders is, I think it was in the aughts, uh, maybe even before that. No, probably definitely aughts. Uh, a group of people, and they have this device with a timer uh, that creates a little uh, interdimensional portal. And then they can, they jump through it, and then they end up in a different uh, different version of the world. What's how do you describe that? They just go through parallel universes. Parallel universes. Thank you. And they're lost. They've lost their original uh, world. So they're just traveling forever, trying to get back to where they started, sifting through infinity, hoping for the one grain of sand on the moon. Uh huh. And this allows them through every episode to reuse a lot of actors and very different contexts. Like, oh, you were my fiance, but now you're my mortal enemy. Also, you know, there's robots or something. It's a creatively very interesting show. <laughs> yes. That sounds cool. And sometimes they really have to flee because it's really bad. But sometimes it's like the Homer raining donuts parallel universe. And they're like, oh, I really want to stay. It's like I could be happy here. Yes. They keep going. I don't know. <laughs> Crystal, how would you handle a slider situation? I, I I just enjoy it. I enjoy being lots of different people in lots of different worlds. You wouldn't be longing for home? No. <laughs> this place fucking sucks, you say? It's like a it's like an infinite vacation. Find the place which is like where the donuts rain down for Homer and stay there. Where he has Alexis and his kids are well behaved. Yeah. That was a good episode. I was sad for him. Yeah. Where were we? We're talking about predest. Okay, I'll at least say that predestination is a lot more important in Tears of the Kingdom than it was in Breath of the Wild. Yes. Because you were going to say something about the murals. Who? You? Me? Yes. No, no. no. This is just about predestiny. Well, let me ask you this: If you write a character who freely chooses something, did they freely choose it? You're asking me as a person who writes stories sometimes. Yeah. If the character, well, I mean, the characters that I write aren't fucking real. Yeah. Okay, there's two ways for me to answer this question. One, they're not making the choice. I'm making the choice. Yeah, I always, there's some writers who describe the experience as my character needed to do this. I, it, they took me in this direction. But Cameron, you're very much a no, I'm doing this. Even if I surprise myself, it's not them surprising me. I'm not tapping into an alternate reality where they exist. I don't think that those sorts of writers necessarily believe that, but it's more like they're know, sort of I'm divining it, in a pool. I'm using it as an illustration yes. of what I mean. Okay. So the other way is that within the context of the fiction, yes, they did make that choice, even if I'm the person making the fiction. I think that's sort of an analogy for how divine predestination works. Go go, go on. Because uh, all things are commanded by Hylia. But people still freely choose. I don't know if all things are commanded by Helia. You, we've, we, if we, if we go down that route, we've transitioned her from being like, 
a steward of this one region of the world to being the omnipotent god of the entire universe. All things are commanded by the Triforce. Hmm. Huh. The Triforce doesn't care. No, hold on. They, they might be spitting here. Go on, Crystal. No, I'm not. Triforce that's not is me. the engine of creation, right? Yes. Yeah. Or are you going to say, Monica? Oh, I, I don't dispute or I wasn't trying to attack. I liked your position because the Triforce is rather uh, standoffish. The Triforce is running everything. Everything exists because of the Triforce. By the grace of the Triforce, you could even phrase it. It's sort of the keystone of the arch of the universe. The microchip on which the game is. Exactly. Uh... So the Triforce determines everything. <laughs> Boy, I could see why Ganon would be pissed. He coveted that wins. He also really doesn't like having his destiny controlled by others, as is brought up several times in the text of this game. Even well, if it was... Ma- he is what? He's the master of the Triforce. He's the master of the Secret Stone, which is kind of like a Triforce. Have we ever decided what the hell the Secret Stones are? They're rocks that amplify your power. Okay. They are uh, condensed zonite. Oh, I don't think we agreed on that one. (laughs) I like that one. Y'all know we have been making this episode since like May, maybe June. That's right. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, just checking in. They came here to mine the zonite and to harvest it and to process it into secret stones. They being the zonite aliens. The pre-Raru zonite. Uh Uh-huh. I see. Uh, sometimes I still think about the scene where Ganondorf goes, you tried to control me, Raru, so I broke your wife's spine. In fact, you could say that you did it by trying to set that destiny in front of me. I'm not going to accept rule or control, even when it makes everybody, including maybe myself, happy. Well, I'm not happy, so yeah, this plan is shit. Fuck y'all. I have to respect that. I'm not saying he's right, but I respect it. <laughs> Shall we go into the imprisoning chamber? If Ganondorf is wrong, <laughs> why does he keep winning? Does he, though? Is this a he win? Keep, he keeps coming back. I mean, it's true that you can't keep uh, an old dog down, but would you say that he's winning? He claimed the Triforce in The Link to the Past. He don't quit, and that is kind of respectable, I guess. I'm would- saying that Ganondorf is an agent of the Triforce. Your suggest- Ganondorf is the one who comes and creates crises for Hylian Link to solve. You're saying that by acting upon the setting and causing everyone to react to him as the only active force in the setting, Ganondorf, in fact, is the protagonist of The Legend of Zelda. That is correct. Okay. Ouch. I'm putting that on the back of the <laughs> box for the, for the Book of Midor podcast. Ganondorf is the protagonist of this series, Crystal 2023. <laughs> He would hate his role as the predestined actor. Oh, I, I wouldn't say that's predestined. He actively does choose it every single time. Oh, you, you think that fate isn't planning for him to do it. He's just doing it. Well, it's not so much whether or not fate is. It's do you, I suppose it is a question of fate or demise's curse if you're a Skyward Sword kitty. He is fated to make his own fate. He is predictable. What a way to frame that, though. <laughs> Fated to make his own fate. But that, that's right. That's very predictable. He's going to kick down the kingdom and set fire to everybody. Yes. Are you really choosing in that sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody else wants him to do it. Uh-huh. Hylia doesn't want him to do it. 
Hylia's vessels on Earth don't want him to do it. Other gods don't want him to do it. Nobody wants him to be doing this thing. He just keeps doing it. Well, if he didn't do it, then how could Zelda have freely chosen to be the bravest queen in all of history? I don't think she would have had to. I think she would have preferred to stay at home studying her robots. Uh, But the Triforce would have preferred her to be a hero. So you're saying that the game designers are the Triforce? Yes. Ah. She can't be happily in Hateno teaching a class of four and and writing uh, studies in a well. She has to inherit the family in. She does have to inherit the onsen. I mean, if you want to write a story where Zelda freely chooses to teach teach classes in school, you can do that. Uh Uh-huh. There's a lot of people. And she will have been predetermined to choose to do that. Are you saying that everything in every story is predetermined by the author? That's right. So Unless, I guess, unless you're doing like an improvisational... Uh, role-playing session where sometimes the dice make the choices i mean people write like that too that's true lit rpg is popular these days yeah in fact monica and i we used to do literary rpg back in the day Uh uh-huh man that's been a long time though but even then is is does not the role of the dice doesn't it land on the number based on the predictable laws of physics it's just (laughs) too complex for us to predict it yes so we're doing away with the idea of in-canon justifications of free will because it's all written by a person from outside the canon. That's and in right. fact, there's no free will there either. <laughs> Crystal, I find this antithetical to the strictly in-canon uh, rubric of the Book of Medora. <laughs> That's just not in the text anywhere. Look, we're, we're going to the, the imprisoning chamber. Which is where Ganondorf was. Yes, it's now a hole. It's just a big hole because he dropped the bottom out. So we're going to jump down that hole. And then there's that's the gloom's lair. And you fall a long way from the imprisoning chamber to the gloom's lair. This is the part where you can find a torch on the floor. Did you find that torch, Crystal? I did find that torch and it was useful because I didn't have a torch. <gasps> that's so cool. <laughs> So I used Zelda's torch. Wow. That she dropped. Did did you immediately go, oh my god, it's Zelda's torch? No, that did not dawn on me until later. A lot of people apparently didn't pick it up right away, so don't worry about it. I think you had to point it out to me. Yes, I did. I was like, it's a torch. What could that mean? I'm like, who dropped a torch in this area? <gasps> yeah. For some reason, that torch being there really got my dander up. I was so mad on Zelda's behalf. I was like, give me back my wife. <laughs> um... You have to do an additional jump from here. Yes. What I find interesting about this place is that you would assume that beneath the place where Ganondorf was sealed, beneath the area that he waged war against the sages and the king of Hyrule, that there wouldn't be anything. It'd just be rock. But there's more Zonai architecture down here. Is there? Yes. Including the platform that you jump off of. Oh yeah, there is a platform. There definitely is a platform. So the Zonai came down this far, and they just stopped. What do we make of this? That this is the lair of gloom, the darkness, the Yami. How did everyone get down here a million years ago? I mean, I guess they tunneled. I think the only reasonable assertion is that the imprisoning chamber wasn't the terminal point of anything. It was just simply where Demon King Gandorf was sealed. 
but there's no entrance there's only one entrance into the imprisoning chamber and no way to get down to this part that we see it's almost as if the imprisoning chamber isn't named that for imprisoning ganondorf mm-hmm. it is a stopper on top of the greater darkness down in gloom's lair it looks so old down there yes i'm just pulling up a clip uh I guess it kind of still looks Zonai. Yeah. I can link it over to you, Crystal. You know, the Beard Bear video of the full game playthrough is about 23 hours long. Oh, I can't send it over because I don't have line on this. Oh, well. I, I have the Beard Bear playthrough up. Yeah, it's at about 22 hours, 4 minutes, and 20 seconds. Okay. Everything is super decayed there. So, Cameron, what you're saying is that they they built up to the imprisoning chamber to imprison whatever was underneath it. Yeah, they tunneled all the way down to the final area where you actually fight Ganondorf, which is itself on top of a Zonai platform, if I recall. Or rather, where you fight Ganondorf's army. And it's not a Zonai platform, no. Okay, and It's a case, giant root. It's held up by roots. So this stuff must have existed before the Demon King. Yes, well before. My... F- wondering is maybe and maybe this is what you're trying to get to maybe the zone i built up to a point and then came upon the fact that they were at the entrance of a far deeper hole they hit upon a chasm that they had not found the depth to and were spooked by it no i'm not saying they were spooked by a big empty hole i'd be spooked by a deep empty hole if it felt bad it had the bad vibes they're halfway determined though No, I'm saying that down there they found the primordial darkness that is feeding the Demon King in the present day. Uh Uh-huh. It's not just a hole. They found the gloom, the Yami. Yeah, I didn't mention the rest of the stuff there, but that's what I meant to imply. Okay, that's a lot more than just a big hole. A hole with bad stuff in it. That's not what you called it, a deep, empty, empty hole. Filled hole. Crystal, how do you read this scenario? What do you think happened a million billion years ago? Are you suggesting that the gloom predates the Demon King? He, in this one, is the corrupted sage of shadows or darkness. Gloom. Yami. Yes. Uh, what? What is the gloom, then? I think that it is the primordial elemental darkness in the same way that Death Mountain is the primordial embodiment of fire. We're kind of jumping ahead of the battle, which is okay, but... I mean, the platform itself... The, the it, platform is made out of roots. The, I'm not talking about what the platform is made okay. of. The platform itself has the roots underneath it that are feeding gloom upward. Yes. And that you can see before the battle. Yes. And if you try to jump down there, it's just a void. It's one of the very rare voids in this game. But the if you, you look at the heartbeat-like movement of the veins it's definitely heading towards demon king gandorf and not away and you can see it underneath this platform where you fight his army so we're assuming that demon king gandorf is soaking in this stuff in the primordial that's what i'm suggesting crystal what do you make of it why is this in the form of a tree or a plant at least trees are the most fundamental form of life in the legend of zelda series There is an evil tree counter to the Deku tree. Now, hold on. That's pretty good. I kind of like that. This is the Akuma tree. (laughs) Yeah. A link between 
Um, the pri- it acts as a link between the primordial darkness and the physical world, much as the Lost Woods acts as the link between different worlds. The Ukid tree. Oh, yes, the Ukid tree. Backwards for digging. So if you dig deep enough into Hyrule, you do not find a core of magma. You just find a void of darkness. I wouldn't even describe it as a void. It's got weight and mass. That was the weird thing about Death Mountain Caldera, in that the caldera is, there's there's tree roots poking out of it. That's really weird. Yeah, the, do we think that these are all trees? Could it be that all of this is the Lost Woods? The arch trees. I mean, that's kind of what the Lost Woods are. They are the connective tissue that binds all parts of Hyrule and even parallel worlds together. So are all the roots beneath Hyrule in the depths part of the Lost Woods? Are the light roots part of the Lost Woods? That would explain Termina's connection via the woods. Wait, are you going along with the idea that Termina's underground now? (laughs) No, but simply that Link fell in the woods and the woods extended into the hole. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes as much sense as anything else about this series. We know that there's also Lost Woods in Holodrum and in New Hyrule. Very true. I feel like this rather elevates the Deku Tree. I mean, the Deku Tree is the guardian spirit of the Lost Woods, but I think the Lost Woods is much vaster than the Deku Tree is. Mm. It persists even when the Deku Tree dies. Mm-hmm. Also, the Deku Tree is the Hillian guardian of the Lost Woods. There aren't Deku Trees in every Lost Woods. That's true. That's very true. I really liked how at one point in Ocarina of Time speedrunning, because the Lost Woods were such small spaces in which there were so many things you could interact with, it was actually where a lot of the speedrun... Trickery. Trickery programming the game was happening. Because they would load rooms adjacent to each other, and they tricked the Lost Woods into loading, like, the end cutscene. Yes, that's so cool. The Lost Woods connect space and time. I think that's literally true in this one. Maybe Hylia's just a reader of the forest. I think it's... Oh, that's actually really cool. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. I'm liking this. Say more. Uh, she can tell the directions in which the wood grows and guide new growths to support her vision. So she... Um, I don't even buy into her guiding new growths. I just... I really like the idea of her doing a kind of, um, what's the what's the proper word for fortune telling? Divination? Yes, doing a kind of divination reading the roots of the Lost Woods. Geomancy. I, I guess my interpretation would be that she hires the Deku Tree to do that for her. Oh, like mm-hmm. she gets the guardian spirit of the Lost Woods to guide as much as it can. Yeah, yeah she made a covenant with the Deku Tree. So that he's always on her side. That does seem to be the case. And therefore, uh, her her realm of the worlds can be stable. So she has made... Because if we do it like this, then outside of the Triforce, the Lost Woods is probably the most expansive, powerful force in the setting. Yes. I guess you would want to keep that on your side, dealing with something like Ganon or Good Demise. Good pact. Yeah, that's a good pact. The Lost Woods is the world, in a manner of speaking. But uh, let's uh, land on this little cliffside of roots 
Okay. After after that, though, before we transition to the final battle, I do want to talk a little bit more about the darkness. Yeah. Um, there is a gloom seal on the door in front of you, or the, just the hole in front of you. Um, and a lot of malice monsters form. Malice, gloom, a lot of monsters show up. Uh, but don't worry, uh, your friends are here. Um, as they tell you, you don't have to fight all by yourself, you know. And uh, they do, this is the sage power-up sequence, much like the, now it's time to fire the laser in Breath of the Wild. Yes, except in this one, they're helping you beat up a bunch of bacoblins. It's the war in the depths of Hyrule against the Demon King's army. That, that's the enemy description. Yeah, I know. It's the Demon King's army, and it's a boss fight that's made up of like 70 or 80 guys. It's the Battle of a Thousand Heartless. <laughs> it is very much a Muso battle adapted into an actual Zelda game. And when you're here with the sages, sure, you've got you and your friends, they're taking some of the aggro off of you. When you're down here by yourself, this is some shit. Crystal, how did you, how how was this fight for you? Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Huh, really? Even with low items? Yeah, you just flurry rush. <laughs> Having uh, read you around helps a lot too. It mm. sure does. I like this sequence because it was sort of, I really enjoyed the, um, the Hyrulean corpse where they go around and try to clear areas of monsters. And I guess this is the realization or the cool moment to, to capture that. But I really thought this would happen at Lookout Landing. Oh, you thought that the Demon King's army would attack Lookout Landing and all the people's... Yes! That's, <laughs> that's asking a lot out of the poor old Switch, you know? I have a theory that they planned that at first, and that's why people were gathering there. And then uh, the developers took a look at the Switch's capabilities and were like, we gotta, we gotta dial this back. It's not working. We need to set it in a location where there's like a void underneath so there's less environmental polygons on the screen. Absolutely. And we only need to be running no extra friendly AI. Right, just time. five people. Yes. Do you think that we would have gotten this fight in Lookout Landing if this was on the Switch 2? Yes, absolutely. What do you think, Crystal? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Monica's actually, um, you know, she, she I'll tell you this, Crystal, Monica had never seen the Gibdos run on all fours before this fight. I hate it. I hate it. You can't tell just from listening to her, but no, we she... had seen the Gibdos fight in the... Yes, but you did not ever see them running on all fours. Oh. So when they got knocked over and then ran directly at her on all fours, you can't hear it in her voice when she says, I hate it, but she was staring into the middle distance with this having an auditory flashback look on her face. It's bad shit. They're spooky. They're very effective Gibdos. It's it is pretty cool to imagine Link having to do this by himself. Your friends are here, but you could do it by yourself. Yeah, going straight down to the Demon King in Tears of the Kingdom has a very intense feeling to it. And speedrunners right now are still doing this fight. Um, they are doing the fight against the army, though I believe that they clip out of the fight with the bosses. Yes. I'm kind of sad we don't get to... You, you <laughs> want the to. boss gauntlet. <laughs> Crystal, would you want a boss gauntlet? No, thank you. <laughs> so for you, the reward of not having to fight the bosses again is a pretty good reward. That's right. Okay, 
what if instead of a boss gauntlet, it was like a shortened version of the bosses where because you're so much more powerful and you have the enhanced master sword, you kill all of them in one hit. That's pretty powerful. Maybe sort of like the Zant fight in Twilight Princess in which you get a little bit of a pastiche, but because you have the master sword and other equipment, it goes a lot faster. That Okay. Now that sounds like it would be really cool if it was like a one last hurrah of Phantom Ganon where it shows up with Zelda's face and takes you through a pastiche of the mechanics of all the different boss fights. And, and is a freaky moving Zelda? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we, we just, me and Monica keep coming back to this crystal. I don't know if you share this feeling, but we keep wanting to have a boss fight with Phantom Ganon as Zelda. Yeah, that would be awesome. Sidon here, when the sages step in, says that we are fated to fight these beasts. These beasts. Yes, it's, he's saying that they, as the sages, are predest- they are meant to be fighting these specific boss monsters. Which is easy for him to say, because he just has to fight the Mukturok. <laughs> That's one of the most annoying bosses. Yeah, but he shoots water. Yeah. I think that each boss is convenient for their own... Uh, Sage, like... Tulin would fuck up. Um, exactly. And Riju just has to stand there and shoot lightning a bunch. That's why they were chosen as the sages. Oh, I see. And uh, what's-his-name can just roll through all the rocks. That's true. Why did I forget his name? Unobo. Unobo. I was like Little Link or uh, Goro. Well, I think that Daruk called him uh, Little Pebble or, or something uh-huh. in Age of Calamity. The, or the Ancestor? I don't know. Yeah, that's true too, yeah. But I I enjoy fighting the end boss alone. Maybe sometimes with Zelda. With a lot of people here, I felt kind of weird. Oh, you're saying that as a thing over the course of the series, when you say the end boss, you mean the end boss of any game, not Demon King Ganondorf from Tears of the Kingdom. Yes. Okay. So you like an Ocarina of Time style fight or maybe a Wind Waker or Spirit Track style fight. At the very most, yes. How do you feel about it, Crystal? How do you feel about the mob fight just jumping on the Demon King? I like the mob fight. I like leaving them there. They don't stay there. <laughs> Spoilers <laughs> for the next five minutes. But uh, I mean, it's the same cutscene. I was like very relieved. No, it's not the same cutscene. When the bosses show up? No, the, the bosses show up and they're like, we'll handle it here. And the, the rock collapses, yeah, blocking you, you off. you leave them behind. You leave them behind, but then they join you for the Ganondorf fight. Okay, sort of, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Why are we skipping ahead to that? We're not. We are. I'm being happy that they got left behind. Well, why'd you talk about the Ganondorf fight? Because you were questioning the difference between the two. Okay, so maybe it's just me, and this is related to some kind of thing that I have about elemental powers from all those stories and cartoons and movies that were focused on elemental um alliances back from when i was a kid i still find it kind of weird that instead of being the king of evil instead of just having evil or hate as his power like ganondorf in ocarina of time or the calamity in breath of the wild that ganondorf in tears of the kingdom is very much the embodiment of elemental darkness which has not been innately evil in zelda up to this point that's true impa used the powers of darkness in the service of good to fight the evil of Ganon. Yeah, to be one part of an elemental team is a, is a downgrade? Thematically, I think it's a downgrade. 
It kind but, of makes him part of the world instead of a cancer in it. But I guess it's kind of cool that one of the team of people who should have been doing good uh, went rogue. So he could have been designated. If he had agreed to serve Raru, he would have been the Sage of Shadows. Yes. The Gruda would have had two representatives. But the sages would have never formed were it not for the villain that they needed to fight. That's true. Raru didn't just go around handing out those uh, secret stones. So in a sense, the villain created the heroes. Or at least created the conditions by which others would become heroes. In a sense, Ganondorf created the sages. Or That's right. the the dispensation of Zonai power into the local peoples. And now there can be the sages in the modern day to restore Hyrule. It couldn't have happened I wonder, Ganondorf. Though, another explanation for why Ganondorf is actually the protagonist of the series. That's right. He's both evil and on the right side of history. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if I'd use that phrase with Ganondorf, but I'm going to back you up regardless. Ganondorf is on the right side of history. (laughs) Let me phrase it another way. Ganondorf makes history happen. That's very true. He is the primary driver. He is the great man of history. Literally. He's such a guy. Go on. He he can't stop talking about his his guyness and his kingliness and shit. Would you you contrast this to other versions of the character? Uh, yeah. This one, Tears of the Kingdom... It really seemed to come up, maybe it's the localization, maybe it's just his character in this one, but there's a lot of like, like Hyrule is explicitly female, Hyrule and her allies, as he refers to. True, yeah. And then he talks about, that's what a king must do, and his this and that, and I'm like, hmm. Are you saying that this is men's, this is the MRA Ganondorf? Right, the birth of his new world. It's just it's so, hmm, I, I guess. How do you feel about this, Crystal? Yeah, there is something to this that Ganon is positioning himself as um, the masculine answer to the feminine Hyrule. All those pacifists running around, these peace-loving peoples. Yeah. He I, had an explicit line about that. That is what he says when you find and confront him. I, 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 I do see what you mean, because when you talk to Tears of the Kingdom Ganondorf, he goes off on soliloquies. But it's almost like he's arguing with you. He's putting out justification and explanation for his actions. Whereas the closest version, the closest to this that the Aonuma era of Ganondorf ever got to was Twilight Princess, when he referred to himself as the rightful king of light and dark. But even then, he was only ever talking down to you. He was never explaining himself. He was taunting you. I'm going to say it. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom Ganondorf is cringe. He's a bit cringe. <laughs> yikes. Thank you. Big yikes for Ganon. I just, I it is made even more problematic because Link is not saying shit. And he's just like feeling like he has to like monologue at you explaining things. Do Crystal, you, do you, go ahead. Are these the similar reasons why you also say that he's cringe or do you have other reasons? It's that, and also the fact that he's giving this big speech, even though he's kind of been losing the whole game. Uh Uh-huh. After the beginning, he just sat in his jacuzzi (laughs) while all his lieutenants kept losing on the surface. Yeah. So so this is uh, the Gloom's origin. That's what the room is called. 
glooms. This is the source of the gloom. This is the bottom of the world. And uh, yes, Ganondorf is in a jacuzzi soaking in the stuff and the heartbeat of the veins is leading into his jacuzzi. Which means that the source of the gloom is feeding into Ganondorf. So he is actually hooked into the elemental source of darkness. He's hooked into the monster energy vat. <laughs> That's right. And he says, how disappointing this world should be shrouded in darkness, not bathed in insufferable light. Masterful artistic speaking. I don't know. Maybe it sounds better in Japanese. So cringe. All these weak. No, it, it, look, if they can't translate it better, it doesn't matter how it sounds in Japanese. I'm willing to bet it sounds really goofy there, too. All these weak, peace-loving cowards running rampant. It would have been more satisfying to overcome a worthy foe. And he, uh, his eyes dot in and his Megatama glows and uh, he has reflushified himself. And I think it's earlier than he actually wants to do it. Why is that? He wanted to block your arrival here. He was still taking his time trying to slowly flushify, but he was forced to rally up because Link showed up. I mean, and interrupted his tub session. Maybe. I don't know. I think if he was ready, he would have he would have made the first move. Yeah. That does make sense. We caught him in his bathtub like a raisin and he's like, oh shit, but I'm going to talk a good game. It's not quite as explicit as it is in Breath of the Wild where Zelda says, I can't hold him anymore. Right. And it's not like you arrive at the top of a castle in a world that he's ruling already. And it's like you're finding him and he's at his best. He's waiting for you. Yeah. Or I don't know. How can we... Define Wind Waker Ganondorf. Oh, we don't even talk about that. That was a. Tr- he was waiting for you. Yeah. Full stop. And then it's time to. F- okay. Uh, he no. He he soliloquizes at you more. That's true. Yes. He says that he will shape this world as it's meant to be. I will crush any opposition. I will rule, which is the worst reading in English. As opposed to I will. Rule. Yeah. Instead of I will rule, it was I will rule, and that just sounds petulant cringe (laughs) sounds like anakin he's trying to convince (laughs) monica's saying that ganondorf is trying to convince himself oh this is what a king must do and i'm like okay dude nobody even recognizes you're like 50 my guy you haven't seen shit oh but yes now the menace unleashed is his title demon king ganondorf that's not a bad title it's it follows directly from the titles of um the Calamities, and the Blights in Breath of the Wild, which I think was the menace beneath Hyrule Castle for the Calamity Ganon. Mm. It's not quite malice and hatred incarnate, but you know. Uh, The first stage of this battle, you're doing it by yourself. Not really. The the kids don't show up yet. You only do a little bit of fighting before the kids show up. They don't get an it, intro cutscene. You do a whole first phase. Yeah, you do the f- whole first phase. Oh, okay. It feels quick, maybe, if you've got the Master Sword and you're, you're flurry rushing him. But, yeah, the entire health bar is depleted. And then uh, Gandorf uh, has another little monologue and says, Do not look away. You witness a king's revival and the birth of his new world. Actually, no, sorry. That was earlier. Yes, what he says fight him here, he says, I'm going to take a lot more than your arm this time. No, that's actually pretty cool. Um, I I really, Crystal, how did you find this fight? Monica's just going through a bullet list of things that have nothing to do with the fight itself, but how did you find the experience of it? It was amazing when Ganondorf 
slow-mo dodged my attack. Yes. Yes. That shit is so sick. Second phase. No, no. He does that in the first one if you just swing wildly. It happened to you a bunch of times. Okay. So many times. Yeah, I I couldn't do it. You don't know how to not swing. I didn't do a good job. Link fought like shit. Sorry. But it's so cool when he does it. It's so awesome. As much as we like to clown on this Ganondorf as a character, this boss fight, I think, mechanically, is the best boss fight in the series. Yeah, this is when they decided to make, like, an action game. It's a sword fight against a guy who can fight more or less as good as you do. He is the Virgil of this game. He's Artorius. He is Artorius of the Abyss. That's a Dark Souls thing. Okay. Does he fight as good as you? He fought better than me, the player. Oh, see, there you go. No, he doesn't fight as good as Link at his best, which we'll get to in the next phase. But it's such it's such a cool fight. I was wrong. So, yeah, the, the You Witness the King's Revival is at the start of the first phase. And then at the end of that first phase, uh, he says that he had almost forgotten the thrill of battle. Yada, yada. I'm not even at the limits of my power. Not even close to the limits of my power. And that's when he activates the thing. The secret stone. And that's after you you get down his first health bar. And he's like, all right. All right, motherfucker. Let's do this for real. And he activates the secret stone and transforms into the demon king Ganondorf. And the health bar refills. And then it keeps filling and filling and filling until it has extended to the extreme right edge of the screen. How do you feel about that bit, Crystal? That was sick. That's what I wanted from the calamity. <laughs> that is the baddest shit. That was that was really fun. It's a uh, master of a secret stone, Demon King Gandorf, with his demonic self, and this is where the other sages join in. Yes, this is where it uh, sort of starts in a sense because he also summons five clones of himself. This fight by yourself is hell on wheels. Yes. I think the speedrunners, what do they do? They make like a crazy no, they vibrating sword or something. Well, they can do that. But the biggest thing that you can do is um, jump into the air, like do a bomb shield jump mm. and shoot all the clones or just the Demon King in the head. Because you can do a ton of damage to him with the right thing stuck on the end of an arrow. This is the part where I felt like, guys, don't join the battle. <laughs> Oh, you wanted to fight all these Ganondorfs? Not especially, but I was feeling weird that everybody else was around. It was just too full? It was very full. How did you feel about how full this scene was, Crystal? I liked it. It felt epic. It did feel big epic. It was very much like Avengers Assemble. I would say it's more like the whole fellowship getting together. Crystal, how would you define this? Yeah, I would say it's like the Avengers. Yeah. I wouldn't say that's a yeah kind of thing. Avengers bad. How those movies never actually done one of these fights where there's like six villains and six heroes um because they don't have any good ideas in their brains yeah i guess the thought the moment that i was thinking of was in the first avengers where they do the pan around and they have the fight against the big army a bunch of yeah but yeah no they don't have like six major villains they kind of do when thanos's uh worshippers are coming out and fighting the The girls have to fight the girl yeah no one cares about thanos's the worshippers i know we didn't even care about it when we did an episode on it in the dark days when we did fucking mcu episodes i can't believe that i ever let y'all talk me into that shit (laughs) well uh that this is when he modifies 
when he says he'll take more than your arm this time. Oh, yes, that's right. Because when you get him down to a regular health bar, he goes, nah, fuck y'all, and does a big wave of darkness, which smashes the sages into the wall and absorbs his clones back into himself. And he's like, okay, now I'm taking a lot more than just... Which I thought was actually a really good line. Monica doesn't like it because she doesn't like this version of Ganondorf. But (laughs) in that vacuum, I think that's one of the baddest lines you can possibly say. Take more than your arm this time? Yes. That's where I waggle my eyebrows. Crystal, what's he going to take from me? (laughs) I assume his life. Okay. He could mean something else. No, I'm sure that Uh Monica is talking about, like, sex. Yeah. Yeah. Pop Link's cherry. How did you feel about the line, Crystal? I'm neutral, I guess. I, I wouldn't say that it's a badass line, but I don't hate it. All right, fair enough. I Matt what? Mercer really tried. I did he? Did, Matt Mercer tried, maybe? <laughs> His voice is just not suited. I, I see a lot of younger fans out there talking about how much they love Matt Mercer's Ganondorf, and I think on some level I might just be missing something. Crystal, please give me your assessment. I don't think Matt Mercer did a good job, but I also generally don't like the voice acting in these games, so it might be more of a direction issue than any individual voice actor. The, I know we go ahead. The Japanese and in fact like the Spanish and French voices were really good. At least better. I would definitely say better. I I know that it's something that we say from time to time on this podcast. It's not a new sentiment. But I would like to suggest that a lot of these scenes would probably be better without voice acting. A hundred percent. I can't. Just give me a grunt. Crystal, how would you feel if this sequence was like Wind Waker, where all of the tone comes through and the speed that the text is generated? Well, that'd be a lot better. Okay. Yes. And then the actors can go very ham on the crazy laughter. Yes, I suppose so. (sighs) The thing about the text boxes... Is that because you have to press A to advance, They you can like hold the angle of each line mm-hmm. indefinitely. Yes. Which is used very well in the old games. It is, yes. It's a, it's, it's a particular bit of art. It's not lost in this because in unvoiced sequences, you still get that. Yes. But in the voiced sequences, it's gone. And I think that Nintendo is better at those unvoiced sequences. There is, you're absolutely right, Crystal, in that. Thinking of when I watched the old cutscenes in the old games, I would really pause between each line and really soak it in and go, whoa. And you can't hear. Yeah. You can't just stop and look at the scenes. There's no, like, pausing and reflecting on I coveted that wind, I suppose. Yeah. That's the thing about text boxes. They allow genuinely innovative cutscene work. You can't do that in a movie. Right. The movification... Is, is a bad thing. Yes. It, it, it works very well with the happy mask salesman in Majora's Mask because it's a very sharp cut every time you press the A button. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're just teleporting all over the room. I, yes. I think in the end, I, what this also means to me is interactive fiction is great, but like there's something about writing in books when you come across a nicely written sentence and you go, that's really great. And you can read it over and over and imagine and picture it in your head. And that beats the movies. We are <laughs> switching over from anti-voice acting to anti-cutscene. <laughs> I would say I'm anti-cutscene because video games don't know how to make good cutscenes. I think Ocarina of Time has good cutscenes. 
Yeah, but that has a different style of cutscenes where it's paused. Yes, I think that pausing cutscenes are a strength of video games that many people in pursuit of cinema have forgotten. Like, to me, that's actually what makes Ocarina of Time cutscenes better than the original Metal Gear Solid's cutscenes. They need to bring it back. I mean, we still get it in places here. Yeah, but no, I mean in like full game storyline. For the important parts. Yes, the important parts. I don't know if we're ever getting that back. Do indie games (laughs) do this? Some indie games do. Yeah, but I'm talking about just Zelda. I know. I'm just hoping that it's uh, maintained somewhere and can experience a revival at some point. The real thing for me is that when games do cutscenes and like they try to do something fancy, it's usually for an action scene with a bunch of shit going on really fast. But I don't think they're good at making at using the camera to enhance conversations. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about Mass Effect? Mass Effect, uh, it's, there are a few good shots in some of the later games, but it's a lot of just very simple shot, reverse shot. Right. That's actually what I was talking about with the... with the. You talked about framing conversations, and I think Mass Effect is kind of notoriously bad at that. And I think one of the worst elements of it is it always cuts back to Shepard when you have to make a dialogue decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the... I think one of the good examples of using the camera in conversations is in Mass Effect 2, when you talk to Jack on the ship, and she's, like, is silhouetted against the red light in her little hidey hole. Mm-hmm. But then it just cuts back to Shepard. I I think the, the problem here is each of those conversation scenes needs to be manually staged and very thoughtfully staged by somebody. With yes. a mind to actually making it nice. Yeah. It can't be lazy. It can't, for the love of God, be procedurally generated. Well, they weren't lazy whenever they wanted to frame Miranda's ass in that second game. Uh-huh. <laughs> during the cutscenes. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking of, like, <laughs> well, that was one of the things that people really liked about Witcher 3. The the conversations and the, the emoting. And those were all manually set. They had the, the resources. And the time. And the time. And the crunch and, and the, the low-paid <laughs> workers to to pose everything out with a person, and that's why it looked good. And I, that's what people are not learning about AI that it just can't. It can't do that. Not shit. yet. I, that's one of the things that I was actually thinking about. Um, going going back to since you brought up Jack's conversation in Mass Effect Two, Crystal. That's a great example because of the way that Jack is set in the scene. What if the even if the only thing they changed about Shepard was putting them in the dark. But, like, if you put Shepard in the dark when they're full renegade, so the only thing you really see of them is the cracks in, the, in their skin and the glowing red of their eyes, that's instantly a much better visual conversation. Oh, yes. Definitely. Uh, I know That would be a lot of work, but it sure would be cool. Crystal, were you good at flurry rushing the flurry rush? Yeah, I can do flurry rushes pretty reliably. Now, this is the part of the fight where... If you flurry, if you dodge one of Ganondorf's attacks, this third stage after he's blasted away the sages, and you do a flurry rush, he will backflip over your flurry rush and come at you with his own attack. Before that, he cannot flurry rush you back. So you kind of have to do two flurry rushes in a row. I accomplished this zero times. It is the sickest shit. <laughs> You're ping-ponging the flurry rush. Zero times accomplished. Oh, this is the dead man's volley with the flurry rush. You're right, Crystal. There are actual... He does throw gobs at you, and 
that's the difference again between the former master sword and the new master sword the master sword powered up can actually address those globs you've you've talked about this before but yes if you hit any of the projectiles that he shoots out of you even the ones out of his bow they will all fly back to him and do a pretty good amount of damage i didn't know this when i first fought him but if you do a spin attack when he's bringing in all those pillars that are about to attack you it'll do huge amounts of damage it's very nice and it means he's not nearly as hard as he feels how hard did you find the whole ganondorf fight crystal uh it it was it was a fight i i definitely sweat a bit it felt it reminded me a little bit of dark souls yeah i nearly smashed the hylian shield oh he i, I br- had to switch out i th- i think that ganondorf does on like um non-standard damage to shields cuz he broke my hylian shield in 5 hits dude's just an absolute menace with that shit but you- uh but, so, but you do beat him. You you do. Be, how does it? How do we take this? Because seven sages plus the king of light working together with all their godlike powers could barely put a scratch in him. But Link walks in with a stick and a diamond stuck to the end of the stick and just beats his ass up and down the street. Well, like Monica said, he wasn't at full power yet. Yes. He's pretty clearly at full power when he goes demon king form. Mm, yeah, I wonder. Do we think that, do we think it's, yes, was he trying I, to do it on his own terms? I think he was. Do you think he was trying to fleshify himself without leveraging the secret zone? Maybe. Or maybe he was waiting for a worthy opponent to show up. He was so bored with all those peace-loving fools. Also, maybe Link's just built different than the sages. He is. He's very clearly built different. Like, that. the skinny guys in this era are nothing like the skinny guys from a million billion years ago. So so when you beat his ass, either uh, through elegantly flurry rushing his flurry rush, or or just chip damage, <laughs> uh, he bends over backwards alarmingly and says, I will yet rule this land, you will not stop me, a mere mortal will not stand in my way. Which, this to me is the one line from Ganondorf in this game that I find actually galling. It's so cringe. No, it's not that it's cringe. Christ. What? It's that he frames himself as separate from mortality. He has made himself part of the godhood. Yes. Crystal, you see where I'm going with this, right? Go on. Ganondorf abhors the godhood. Like, he curses the gods in Wind Waker. He desecrates their statues in Twilight Princess. He makes mockery of them at every turn. The idea that he would frame himself as a god here, separate from and above mortals. He's always treated himself as different from weak people. Strength is the fact of rule for Ganondorf, and it mm-hmm. always has been. But he's never treated himself as a god. He has challenged the gods and claimed that they have no provenance over him. And for him to say that he will not be defeated by a mortal means that this, more than anything, is the separating factor between him and other versions of the character. This is not the same Ganondorf that we've been fighting in other games. This is a very demise line. Yes, it is. I'm starting to think that Fujibayashi's version of Ganondorf is much more of the bad god rather than the evil man rising in power, like in the Aonuma era. I feel like... How do I say this? I mean, am I it's, not hitting it? It's No, no, I agree. I agree with you. It's it's very sad that he has really stripped the, the mortality 
and Grudo-ness of himself. Like, the Grudo are rightly to assess that he's not a Grudo because he firmly thinks he's a demon or demon god or something uh, at this point, which is just, yeah, kind of sad. What do you think about this, Crystal? Does Ganondorf not frame himself as a god in Twilight Princess? He kind of does. He talks about wielding the power of the gods. And Zant refers to him as a god. But I think the fact that he defaces the statues of the gods still speaks to how he actually relates to them. Him taking his place as a god is not a self-elevation. It is an act of blasphemy. To me, for Twilight Princess, I feel like he didn't identify himself to Zant. He conveniently indicated some things and then let Zant worship him. He was coming off like a dark genie. How, how do you feel about the idea of that being an act of blasphemy, Crystal? I, I mean, are you saying that Ganondorf is just anti-gods in general? I mean, based on the dialogue from him in Wind Waker and the actions that he takes in Twilight Princess, I would say, yes, he, he chafes under the yoke of the gods. Okay. I would even say that in this game itself, he seems to initially spurn guidance from from divine or you know people who claim to be elevated from him i would interpret that as ganondorf is anti all the other gods besides himself but he's not necessarily think of thinks of himself as a paragon of mortals i don't think he thinks that so you don't see that line as being meaningfully different from other versions of the character it's it's a little different that he is explicitly identifying himself as not a mortal. But, like, qualitatively, it's not that different. It's not that different. Okay, I understand that. I think that the fun thing about him, I I don't like that line particularly, but I think it's a hilarious, hypocritical thing for him to do or say, cast against even his own words and actions and professed motivations in the earlier parts of the game. It's okay for him to be a hypocrite, though. It just makes him cringe, says Monica. Yeah. Uh, he eats, he rips the stone off of his head and he eats it and he just like shoves his entire forearm up his mouth as he says that his, his, he his body, his mind, everything. <laughs> He'll, I'll sacrifice it to defeat you and cast this world into internal night. Hey, Crystal, do you remember how Zelda swallowed the secret stone? She just swallowed it normally, like she would, like a garbanzo bean. <laughs> like she real discreetly just lifted her hands up to her mouth and put it up there and swallowed it. Yeah. Ganondorf kind of pu- shoves his entire arm up to, like halfway up his forearm down his throat. Yeah. Yes. He what fits. the fuck is that? <laughs> Why he do that? He's a, he's a little freak. He's just a little freaky? He's, he's never freaky been good it. He's not been good at taking pills. Oh. He got to jam it down. This is just how Twin Rova used to give him medicine. Just shove their whole arm down his throat. What if it, what if the stone tastes really bad? He doesn't oh, he want just it to ha- hit his tongue. <laughs> just got to get it right down Bypass there. his entire taste. You got to get it directly into the esophagus. He licked it at one point. And he was like, ooh, no. It tastes like a switch cartridge. It tastes like black licorice. Do you think the secret stones would have different flavors? Yes. I also think so. Okay, the two of you please expand on this. Lightning is lemon. Uh-huh. Water 
is a uh, blue flavor. Blue raspberry. Yeah. Um, fire is cherry. Uh huh. And um, wind is Gatorade ice flavor. <laughs> oh, okay. And the the uncolored versions just taste like crystallized sugar. Yes. So what is what does Ganondorf's taste like? It tastes awful. It's Black the, licorice. It's the puke flavored beans. Oh, gotta love those tricky beans. And time uh, tastes, I don't know. What? Oh, what does Zelda's taste like, Crystal? What does time taste like? That's a good question. I think well, light tastes like butterscotch. Okay. Okay. Time, what does time taste like? Mystery flavor. <laughs> it's actually the same experience as drinking a Sprite. Lemon lime? Yeah, I got that lemon. No, I guess that's already taken up by thunder. Pineapple. 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 There you go. <sighs> I think they just taste like rocks. Well, time <laughs> is usually represented with the color blue in this series. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's a different blue flavor. Well, Monica said blue raspberry. I think you're right, Crystal. It should just be blue flavor. Yeah, blue, okay. blue is its own flavor to me. Yes, I agree. Artificial blue flavor, nothing else quite like it. It's the best of the artificial flavors. Monica doesn't know what we're talking about. Like a freezy pop? The blue freezy pop? Yeah, like a blue Gatorade. Yeah. Okay. They're they're just a particular kind. It's a refreshing. It's, a, it's something you don't find in nature. Like time. Yeah, like time. Uh we have a dragon. Did, did were you surprised by this dragon, Crystal? Did you see the dragon coming? No, I expected the dragon. Hey, how about that moment? When he was actively transforming into the dragon, where he's just the Calamity for a second. He looks a lot like the Calamity. He He, does. He is the incomplete shadow version of the Calamity for just a little while there. There's a shot as he, after he grabs Link and soars up, where they seem to sort of replicate a Calamity shot. Where it circles around the castle? Yes. Yes. I think that they're very specifically evoking the image of the Calamity there. The shape is different. If you look closely, it is draconic and not pig-like. But it is, yes, invoking the Calamity. Does that imply, similar to the Dark Dragons, that the Calamity in its fuller form was itself like a creature on the same order as the Dark Dragon? I think it does imply that. Hmm. Calamity is the Lord of Boars. It is, yeah. The gloom here looks more like Malice. That's my assessment. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Now, for all that I don't like the idea of us not fighting Pig Ganon, like him turning into a dragon fits for the themes of this game, but I do prefer Ganon as a pig. This fight is the best, like, mechanic fight in the entire series. Really? Full stop. This is... Okay. So they didn't know what to do with Dark Beast Ganon in Breath of the Wild. It's like, okay, so you've got this fight that against the Calamity that uses all of your combat skills, right? And then you fight the Dark Beast Ganon, which is like using a different set of skills. So what do they use? They use horseback riding and archery because they figure that people will be experienced with that. But some people aren't. Some people never even ride a fucking horse in that game. Yeah, I can't ride the horses. And that doesn't work. But in this one, everybody goes skydiving in Tears of the Kingdom. You can't play the game without doing it. So making a battle that is strictly about that, it's presenting the two sides of playing this game in terms of progress. There's the combat, and then there's falling. Falling and coming back up. Yes. And it is 
it is so thematically satisfying the way that this battle worked. I love everything about it. Especially because your dragon wife is here helping you fight. This part was beautiful. There was there were little paused moments where the titles or, or, or sh- when the dragons show up, when uh, the demon dragon, the draconified demon king title comes up, where you just Nintendo knew you were going to snap a little screenshot right there, and I did. Yes. <laughs> or when the two dragons are up against each other and Zelda's so small. Yes. Yeah, and you're riding her, and it, yeah, it's like, okay, screenshot right here as it pauses. The pauses were cool. How did you find this fight, Crystal? It's very well directed. It feels epic. Yes, this is another one of those fights where it feels appropriately epic. They, they, You can tell that they really wanted people to walk away from this satisfied in a way that they sometimes didn't in Breath of the Wild. This is a great finale. Yeah, and the Zelda does the, the AI for her is perfect. Yes. She's there to catch you when you fall, and she's there to lead you back up very easily. It felt nearly seamless to me. Yeah. It's, it'd be very hard to get off track. You can do it. If you try. But even then, she just auto-catches you. Yeah, the auto-catch is nice, too. What do we make of her, like, she senses and comes towards this. She is supposed to have nothing left of herself, but here she is. And what do you make of that, Crystal? She knows there's a big bad dragon. She remembers him, do you think? I think because... Or is she just of such a good nature where it's not something that you have to be conscious to defend against or fight against? Well, she's the light dragon, he's the dark dragon, so they're natural enemies. <laughs> Unless there was a devil dragon. Oh, wait, no, he's the... Is he the dark dragon or the demon dragon? He's the demon dragon. He's but the demon he, dragon. he has the power of darkness. That's true. He is the dark dragon. Dark dragon versus the light dragon. The two dragons. As was prophesied. <laughs> Are these the two depicted dragons? Yeah, absolutely. What, what makes you so sure about that? Who else would they be? I mean, uh, for symbolism, could be Raru and Sonya. Those, those are not dragons. I find that difficult to argue with. Zelda and Link. Link is the in- eternal reincarnating dragon. If, if Zelda showed up because she felt that there was a big bad dragon over here, why didn't the other dragons come? Those aren't light dragons. There's just no holes in the, your frame <laughs> here. I, I'm, I'm trying to get find them, but I can't. I think that... Uh, it, I think that the assessment that dragons are mindless is not really accurate. But even beyond that, maybe she's just so used to... F- she has fought... This Zelda has fought Ganondorf or Darkness for a hundred plus years. Yeah, but how much of that hundred year, Like, what percentage of her life at this point is that hundred years? Vanishingly small. Oh, right, because she's... She's a million billion She's a million old. billion Maybe she just wants the Master Sword in her forehead again. Well, she gives it to you if you haven't obtained it at this point. Oh, that's true. I th- that's, that's part of what makes me think that in spite of the fact that she has no memory and she doesn't know you or yourself, something drives her, some, some foundational thing that is deeper and more important than the self. She knows Link. She does still know Link. She saves, yeah, she knows her task in this fight is to make sure you don't fall and you can be lifted up to attack the demon dragon. Some part of Zelda's instructions have been written into her draconic form. 
She also takes some of the blasts, it seems. Yeah, it will sometimes fly in front of Ganon's projectiles and shatter them. It seems like it's on accident, but she she can block its attacks for you, which is extremely cool when it happens. I really like the sequence where uh, Link is caught in the demon dragon's teeth and Zelda's approach and the roar frees him. Yeah, I don't know. I think that like the writing around the character of Ganondorf isn't always the best in this sequence, but I think as a thing that you play, this is the best end game the series has ever had. By a mile. Yes. I agree this is the best end denouement fight thing. Yeah, I guess I would agree with that as well. And I say that as a person who still holds up the Ocarina of Time Ganon battle as being essentially perfect. But they go so ham on this. And, you know, there's just something about fighting alongside your dragon wife. It's such a great It's so great pretty. shot, yeah. So and pretty. it's just so bright and open yes. feeling. You're fighting in the sky with nothing around you. You are way above even the sky islands. I guess you are. Yeah. Yeah, you're so like, like 2,600 meters high. Yeah, something like that. And the way that this works is that at this point, the Demon King is immune to all weaponry except for the Master Sword. Which you may have just retrieved from Zelda's head. Yes. Not even knowing that it's Zelda. Yes. So you got to jump onto his place, onto his back to the big gatherings of eyeballs and give it the old slashy-washy. What do we make of the fact that there's eyeballs on him? Does it imply intelligence? I think that it implies hate because this is the first instance where we really see the... He has shifted over from being a creature of just darkness to also having hatred or malice on him. Also, if you get hit by his um, attacks here, it will knock off one of your heart containers. Oh, yeah. That it was just... happening in the earlier fight, too, I think. How did you find that, Crystal, the you-can-lose-heart-containers-while-fighting mechanic? I actually didn't really notice it. Yeah, that's fair. Too many hearts. Uh, a lot of people <laughs> don't notice it first, either. To me, the eyeballs implies, as we had said in Breath of the Wild, a consciousness, an observer behind the eyes. And we either... I either ascribe this to the dragon still having a consciousness or something else is watching. Something that wasn't there before. Yes. Can you expand on that? It might not be. If if we're going off of the principle that dragons are, are mindless, uh, this might not be Demon King Ganondorf's eyes. What do you make of that, Crystal? Whose eyes would it be? Uh, the origin of gloom and malice. Demise? What are you trying to say? No, just we have we have kind of asserted at different parts of these recordings that Ganondorf, this Ganondorf might not be other Ganondorfs. Yes. Not the maybe not even the originator, maybe. I I think that it's worth noting that in Breath of the Wild all the eyes would look at you. In the battle with uh Dark Beast Ganon, even all the eyes on its back would stop and focus on you when you were about to shoot it. But in this one, the eyes don't focus on anything at all. They all just stare straight ahead. I guess they are dragon-eyed shape. They all just stare straight ahead, and they don't really know that you're there. Hmm. Okay, then maybe it is his then. And I think that he's just gaining these eyes because they are like an embodiment of his hatred. But anyway, so you take out all the eyes, and then you jump on his head, and you attack the secret stone, which is now the size of like... An ox. 
The Master Sword destroyed a secret stone. Do we make of anything of this? Secret stone's not as strong as the Master Sword. That's verifiably true, I guess. Could the Master Sword destroy the Triforce? No. Are we are we comparing the Triforce to the? Yeah, we're trying to tr- measure. Just I, to I'm do not a power check. scaling the Triforce. Okay, <laughs> the secret not, stones said no. are not as strong as the Triforce. The secret stones are not as strong as the Triforce. The secret stones are like the wind gods in Wind Waker. I think that to destroy the Triforce as they did in Link Between Worlds, you would have to wish on the Triforce to destroy itself. That makes sense. And then it deletes the game file. Then you're really fucked. Yeah. You need to go steal the source code from a different game. (laughs) So, Crystal, would you say that the way Ganon dies here, and feel free to describe it for our listeners, but would you say this is more or less extreme than the death of the Calamity? I would say this is more extreme than the death of the Calamity, even. Mm -hmm, Light mm -hmm. starts pouring out of the dragon's body, and eventually his whole body is engulfed in an infinitely tall pillar of light, which then gets thinner and thinner slowly until there is nothing left of the dark dragon. It is definitely more spectacular than the singularity collapse. On the final sequence uh, and into this part where he's disappearing, the moon is blood red and full. Were you going to add something onto that? Uh, I mean, we've been associating or not associating the blood moon with him. So I think it's important to call out that it is present. Yeah, it's present for him just like it was for the Calamity. And Crystal, what happens after that? There's a cutscene. Link observes this at a great cinematic angle while riding on Zelda's forehead. And then it says, objective complete, Demon King destroyed. Not quite as good as defeat Ganon, but yeah, it's pretty good. Destroy Ganondorf? Yeah, not quite as good as the one from Breath of the Wild. Mm. Is Ganon cooler than Ganondorf? Yes. As a name, yes. (laughs) As a concept, though? Anyway, Crystal, please go on explaining the sequence. And then Link's arm starts glowing, and he is transported to some kind of strange realm covered in clouds, where he's just floating in the air, and the light dragon is very still. And then the ghost. And he's shirtless. And he's shirtless. And the ghosts of Rauru and Sonya appear, and Link's arm seems to shoot lights into the light dragon's body. And then it Sonya is, and Rauru grasp hands with Link. It is a more light. It is a golden light. The, yes, a golden light. The light of recall, perhaps? You're saying this is a super recall spell. I think that Zelda planned this. Okay. Sonya is the first one to reach out to Link's hand uh, as this golden beam shoots out, shoots out. I think that this calls back to when Sonya talked about how recall is really making the subject remember itself as it was. And then... And then the dragon turns back into Zelda. She's got the stone again. And, and she's Link's glowing. arm is better. <laughs> yes. And then they're both falling through the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this is this the best part of the end sequence? Yes, absolutely. This is Tell Skyward Sword, open world style. Yeah. This is Link correcting his mistake of not catching Zelda at the beginning of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this sequence so much. I, uh, the music is so good. This is why cutscenes should be interactive. Yes. I, I thought a thing and I had to shove away from my head. And Cameron knows what it is. It's what would happen if I just missed. No. 
No, it's the FF8 sequence in oh, space. Oh, right. yes, yes, you're catching Renoa. Crystal, have you played Final Fantasy VIII? I have not played Final Fantasy VIII. You'll enjoy that part. Don't worry about it. Crystal has only played Final Fantasies uh, 15 and 13. That's right. Uh, they will get around to it. Okay, I won't spoil it for you. There's a sequence. It's that, not as cool. Um. Well, anyway. And you just got to reach out and you have to hold the A button because holding the button is how you grab things. And you got to reach out for her hand and you catch it. That's cool. That's nice stuff, huh? That's so good. And the music sort of does that, like, snap. And he holds Zelda's head against his shoulder as they're falling down toward a body of water. It's so good. Protect her head and neck. It's so good. They made this ending sequence. This scene right here is just for Monica's and Monica-aligned people. It's so good. The whole him carrying her back to shore thing. This is a lot of of physical touch where I'm like, oh gosh. Uh, (laughs) It's really intimate? It is, yes. It's very quiet and intimate and up close in a way that Zelda games usually don't get to be. How do you feel about this whole sequence, Crystal? The post-catching sequence. It's a Zaylink buffet. Yay! It is all you can eat. I am eating. Why did they make Link shirtless through this? It's part of the buffet service. Okay. He's your waiter. My goodness. And he's here to be ogled. I think that uh, there's a, a video on YouTube people who do like out of bound stuff or can pose the camera beyond what the cutscene staging it and the place that link and zelda fall into the lake is very different from where they end up to talk so this again people are, are really posing like where is the best prettiest place for this cutscene to be in isn't this the place where you land right before no the funny thing is that it they blip out of existence and then blip into the place where the, the close-up talking is happening. Oh, I see. So you have to race towards them if you're moving the camera around. Got it. The castle is still floating. What? What is keeping it up there? Monica's looking at me like she's expecting me to say something. I I, I don't have anything. I mean, the I'm islands still... don't go away either. It's clearly not Ganon's power that was holding the castle aloft. It moved the castle, but the castle just stays in place relative to the ground. I'm just distracted by the line about her feeling something like a warm, loving embrace and waking up to Monica does love that shit. Yeah. But the castle is still floating and that's weird. I I think that the castle stays still in its inertial frame of reference. Crystal, in Breath of the Wild 3, (laughs) is the castle still floating? I mean, if the skylines are there, then I guess the castle should still be floating. All right, Crystal, I'm going to ask you a very important question. What the hell do they add to Breath of the Wild 3 to meaningfully differentiate it from Tears of the Kingdom, which gave you not only the sky, the heavens, but the underworld too? The ocean. Ooh. Now, the fine Princess Zelda complete on the back, black background, that's nice. Yes, yes, because it wasn't when you located the dragon. It's when she's safe back home and she says, I'm home. Yes. Fujibayashi loves making games for you, motherfucker. Yeah, he just caters and serves it up, and I just go, ah. She's like that uh, baby crow that just holds her mouth open towards the inchworm, but the worm does actually jump into her mouth. Yeah. Then the credits play, and I don't have this up right here, but uh, the environmental, the animal guy, did we already say this? I... 
We definitely did in line. I we don't did know, in line. Not, I don't think we did on the we podcast. We didn't do it in the podcast. He was previously an anim- he was a wildlife animation programmer, but nowadays uh, he's it, it's the guy who posted about wanting to work at Nintendo back in like 2010, and he ended up doing animal designs in Breath of the Wild, and now he's doing combat system designs. I'm so happy for him. Monica's trying to look up his name. We talked about it in line, so I'm going to pull up that part of the conversation. But if you find it first, Crystal, let me know. But in any case, so Crystal, what is the, uh, since we've done everything and completed all the main quests, can you tell me about the final, final, final ending? Secret ending. All the sages go up back to the Temple of Time in the sky. And Venero explains that Sonia and Rauru must have channeled their power through Link to fix everything so that there would be no consequences for anything that happened in the game. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I would describe it that way. Link doesn't even, he gets his arm back. He does get his arm back. And Zelda's not, it's true that she's not traumatized. It's all she, mostly a dream to her. She didn't even remember it. It didn't even change her. That's not, that isn't how it happened in Breath of the Wild. She didn't talk about it much, but you got the impression she did remember that hundred years. Yeah. And then Minera explains that she has completed what she was meant to do and now it's time for her to disappear and join her brother why do we figure she's uh she's hit that point that she's willing to move on yeah because ganon's dead sorry it's cory brunel bunnell Bunnell. you keep adding that r it's not in cory bunnell who went from the the animal uh, behavior to the battle system architect that's a major job up yes I'm so happy for him. Now we're talking about the ending. I'm sorry. Now, why do we think that Mineru was willing to let go? Yes. I'm sorry, Crystal. You may have said something, but I got distracted. Because Ganon's dead. That's true. Ganon is dead. They don't hurt like, anymore. Her her unfinished business is now finished. But if you were like a, a person who got teleported into the future, or did she go the long way? I don't know. She went There's the a lot way. of interesting... There's a lot of interesting things to see right now, and she's out of the hole that she was in. She's what? a ghost. She's got a robot body. She's tired. I don't know. I would want to explore the world. The present isn't for the dead. That's one of the themes of Breath of the Wild that they actually preserved in this one. <laughs> I do like, like that everybody went to the Sky Islands. If the champions moved on to the afterlife, why wouldn't she? Okay. That makes sense. Because she's the Sage of Spirit, and she can control her spirit. She trusts the current people to be able to move on and to do things better than they did in her generation a million billion years ago. And Zelda's like, okay, well, I guess I have to be the queen now. She finally does the thing that Crystal assumed she would be doing during the five-year gap, which is going, well, this is my life, I guess. And all the sages pledge to stand with her. I thought that was a little bit corny. That was a little bit awkward. Corny. Yeah. Word is corny. I mean, in the thematic arc of this story where she, reading between the lines, wasn't sure if she wanted to rule, didn't see a place for monarchy in this world. uh, That ain't reading between the lines. That's just the text. I guess so. And then stepped into it or realized she had to step into it because there's actual function for monarchy in this. I guess an affirmation of her decision is... uh, I don't think that it's thematically about monarchy. It's just thematically about taking responsibility for the world that you live in and acting to the utmost of your ability. 
And her ability just happens to be so wide-reaching that she is a leader. And not like a teacher leader, but a big leader. A queen. A queen. A queen. And it's affirmed because she's left her place in the world and an impact even before she did that. And everybody likes her. She got her time apart from the monarchy. Also, the bit where they all talk over each other when they're saying Princess Zelda doesn't read very sensibly in English... Whereas I think in Japanese, they all use different honorifics for her. Yes. Link does not speak this part. <laughs> no, why would he? It's a vow for he sw- He swore an oath to her a hundred years ago. Yeah. He's not a sage. He's a champion. The last of the champions. And that's basically the end of the game. Her remembering the sages and her swearing that she'll be able to take things. And Monero going like, okay, that's pretty good. Mom and dad would be happy to see you like this. Okay, bye. 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 Goodbye. And so I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll inherit the onsen. How do we feel about this ending? It's a good ending. It ends strong. Yeah, it does end strong. And the the last soft smile that she has is a, is a dog sight better than the weird puppet smile that she had at the end of Breath of the Wild. I like how she really takes it as, well, you've, you've made your vows to me, but, you know, you're my friend's. You know, stand with me on this. It's like, we have to act on this as equal partners, regardless of that shit you were saying a second ago. And so they form the government cabal. (laughs) The government cabal? Yes. Between one king, one prince, one queen, um, let's see. Boss of the corporation. And one CEO. That's right. Because Unibo's the only one there who isn't the leader of his people, so to speak. He's not the big brother. He's not, but he's about to inherit it. The old guy is um, a figurehead at best, which became apparent during the crisis there. So you mean he might be around for another 20 or 30 years? <laughs> sure. He's like he's like Lorenzo de' Medici. He's the de facto leader of Goron City. Oh, I see. We're talking about Unibo here. Yes. He is the leader in truth. Yes. One who made sure everybody was getting paid because That's they needed right. to get paid instead of just eating rocks. He's he's commissioning Leonardo. All right. Well. End thoughts to this, Crystal, after your long slog down uh, and the longer journey <laughs> from expected, how did you come out of it? Satisfied, I guess. Hmm. It's a pretty satisfying video game in a lot of ways. It really did feel like the super end, end, end to the Breath of the Wild world. So you feel like that's a that's book closed on the setting. Is yes. how it feels. Because unlike in the additional ending for Breath of the Wild where it's like we're going to do shit and we're going to visit other realms and I guess apologize and figure out what's up with the divine We're going to rebuild and when the Ganon returns we'll be ready. This one is like yeah, there's a kingdom that's going to be built now but not not anything like planned where it's just like we've done this. We'll do this. The end. Well, we have reached the end of the first new mainline Zelda game to release since the start of the podcast. And I'm not counting Age of Calamity in that because this is just about mainline Zelda games. Yay. Good work. 12 episodes. These guys take a, these guys, these games take a long time to come out. They don't have to. They don't. They don't have to. Um, I think that in some ways, in some ways, like, this one was probably better for taking that extra year to polish. 
And I'm sure that there were major delays from COVID, but they probably could come out faster. But I'm okay with them taking this long. I'm old. I don't care. They don't have to make them open world games. (laughs) That's true. They don't have to. Yes. I'm okay with it taking like five, five years. Was it five years? For this one? Six? It was six and change. Okay. I think a five-year gap is a really comfy amount of time. It, it gives me time to decompress, to visit some of the older games, to make sure that they put in a lot of new mechanics or ideas. It, it drives people nuts, but uh, you know, I, I don't want a, an annual thing, not even a biannual thing. It would be awful. They used to be almost biannual. Ocarina of Time to Majora's Mask to... They worked too hard for that. That's true. They they did actually run their team's racket doing that shit, and they shouldn't do that again. In my opinion, a video game should not take longer than three years to develop. Mm. So you're saying that rather than working faster or harder, they should make smaller games. That's right. Three is an okay number. I would be okay with three years gap. I'm okay with waiting however long, because I don't want to rush people, whatever. If they want to make a big-ass game, make a big-ass game. If they want to make a smaller game, make a smaller game. I would appreciate having a new 2D game one of these days. We talked about this. It would be nice if the next Zelda was very localized in a small area. Like I think this came up when we were talking about Miyamoto thinking about Ocarina of Time being just in Ganon's castle like Mario 64. Yeah. That would be fucking sick. He brings up like... You open a door, and on the other side of that door is a subterranean ocean. And it's like, that's the coolest thing he's ever said. I would be for that. And I think it would be a nice shake-up from open world. That is a very plotted-out, small area. But Crystal, you're expecting a third Breath of the Wild-style game. In fact, a direct sequel to Tears of the Kingdom. Yes, that is what I am expecting. And it will be... In the same way that tier- we're not going to expect that it's triple the size of Breath of the Wild in the way that Tears of the Kingdom is. But you can imagine them adding on, say, another 33% by adding on the water biome. Yes, there will be the surface of the ocean and also the under the ocean. Mm. You will learn the way of water. You will learn the way of water. <laughs> just like, like Colonel Quaritch. It's like you get over there and then you just start playing Subnautica. Yes. I should get Monica to play Subnautica. Have you played that, Crystal? I've not played it. Oh, have you seen any footage of it? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Well, it it's like a survival game, sort of. You gather resources to build more and more advanced underwater bases so that you can survive on this planet that you've crash-landed on. And you can build, like, small submersible vehicles and build your way up to more and more advanced things. It's just a, it's got the kind of progression that I think is really cool. And that kind of thing could work in a Zelda game. Who knows? That sounds cool. It does sound cool. But yeah, um, we did mention at the start of the episode, but this week did also have a major piece of Zelda news, which is that the live action Sony Pictures Legend of Zelda movie has been formally announced by Nintendo. It's being Produced by Avi Arad. It's being directed by Wes Bell or Wes Ball. I forget. And it's being, the screenplay is being done by, I think, Derek Connolly. 
Respectively, it's the guy who funds all the Spider-Man things. Who ran Spider-Man into the ground three different times. Uh, It's being directed by the guy who made the Maze Runner movies and nothing else. And it's being scripted by the guy who wrote the script for Jurassic World. And it's The Legend of Zelda. And I think we should do an episode on it. Oh, God. And Obviously, we're going to do an episode on it when it comes out. But I'm talking about we should, like, maybe... Maybe not before the Luke episode, but maybe around the Luke episode, we can just shoot the shit for an hour or two talking about our expectations about it. That sounds good. Okay. So we'll save all of that. I'm sorry to all of our listeners who expected me to start despairing on air about it. I promise that's coming. It'll be pleasantly mid. I think that it will be unpleasantly mid. How bad could it be? I'll tell you how bad it can be. It'll be unimpressive. You just gotta go in with low expectations. It'll be very standard feeling. It will never come out. You don't think it'll come out. Monica's hoping it never comes out. This is her best case scenario. <laughs> I think Miyamoto will make it happen. Miyamoto will make it happen. I think, like, they, they mentioned this has been going on for a real while. And they've hit a point where they're finally comfortable to announce it. But I think that this is going to be put in front of a panel of people and massaged over and over and over until there's a, a state of midness that it could potentially be, but I hope it never reaches that point. I think Mi- this will definitely happen because the Mario movie made $1.3 billion. Yes, it has made so much money. It made all the money. And because Nintendo backed half or more of the cost for that film, they took away more than half the cost of that, like profit from that movie. And they'll do the same fucking thing with the Zelda movie. Okay, then... My best, my second best option is that it takes another 10 years. We should leave this conversation for that episode. Okay. All right. So I think that we're pretty far along here. Um, I would like to suggest that we save the email readings for that episode because we'll have a lot more time there. I agree. Okay. Crystal, where can we find you online? You can find me at Arcane Crystal on Twitter and on Patreon, where you can listen to this one week early. Uh, I guessed it on Abnormal Mapping, the Abnormal Mapping podcast. I did an episode on Majora's Mask that you can go listen to. That's fucking sick. You like the Abnormal Mapping podcast and you like the Majora's Mask game. That's right. It's one of the best video games and one of the best video game podcasts. Hell yeah. You can find me on AudioEntropy.com, where you can find a link to the Discord. And you can find me on the Eidolon Playtest Actual Play Podcast, where I will be, by the time you hear this, at least episode one of Eidolon Oyster will be out, which is a campaign four episodes long that I'm GMing about doctors in a hospital who have Eidolons that give them superpowers so they can do super doctoring. We do love super doctoring. Yes. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at Cam Ryder. I don't tweet much anymore because that site's becoming less and less usable with every passing week. And it feels like there's fewer and fewer people there and more and more faceless robots screaming at each other with variations of the same sentences over and over. It's not pleasant. It's not a pleasant place to be. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm still on there and you can find me there. And if you want to send in emails to be read at a later date send them into book of medora podcast at gmail.com once more book of medora podcast at gmail.com would you like to hear a zelda joke yes 
This comes in from heresajoke.com slash zelda-jokes. Recently, I was playing Zelda on the SNES. It really was a link to the past. Jesus. Uh. The, the best part of this is that I know, like, I have a timer running in my head for how long it's going to take Monica to make that connection. But it, it is a link to the past. Yes. On the but, Super Nintendo. Yes, because, see, the Super Nintendo's old, so it's a link to the past. You know, it's Zelda, it really was the Triforce of the Gods. See, because... No, that's just a direct statement. All right, good night, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye.
Thank you. 